you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Jesus and he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 8, if you have your Bibles today, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 10, Hebrews chapter 8. I want to say thank you to all of you who showed up yesterday, a great group that showed up here to work and a wonderful lunch prepared, about 30 people involved in volunteerism here yesterday. The North building is coming along nicely, a lot of things being and we had no clue. I just got told this morning that Brother Kevin Spangler was here all day yesterday or most of the day here yesterday working, and it was his birthday, and nobody even said happy birthday to him. So if you see Brother Kevin Spangler, our lead usher, be sure to wish him a happy birthday this morning. It was yesterday, but just wish it to him today. It's a day late and a dollar short, but that's okay. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about a new covenant, a new covenant. Could we pray? Father, we need your help this morning to minister what you have put in my spirit and upon my heart for this service today. I pray, Lord, that every person in this room finds, Lord, themselves at a point of commitment and covenant with you. We honor you this morning and thank you for your spirit that has met with us already today in the worship and through the baby dedication and all that's been done today. Lord, we pray now that you touch us through your word. Everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can So there seems to be some misunderstanding in the difference between a contract and a covenant. I would say that governmental agencies would try their best to dumb down the idea to an English concept of these two words that may be 
uh, completely unbiblical. I want to take a moment to unpack the difference between a contract and a covenant, if I may. A contract is an agreement between two individuals, often and most likely a written agreement, or it could be a spoken agreement. It is often an agreement between sales or employment or a tenant to a renter or leasee, and all of these things are signed and enforceable by law. But in any of them, there is always a way out. There is a plan in the beginning that there will be an end to the contract. A contract begins with the idea that there is most likely, there most likely will be an end. And so they start the beginning with the end in sight with the intention of how that they may be able to end or get out of the contract without some sort of lawsuit uh, or countersuit from one another. A covenant, of course, is completely different, and this is what I am wanting to spend my time and energy on this morning. A covenant is not just between two individuals. But a covenant is greater than a contract because a covenant is something that was designed by God from the beginning. God doesn't talk, the Bible doesn't speak on contracts, but on covenants, the Bible begins to speak very loudly and very clearly on covenants. The Bible gives us very clear understanding that covenants are not to be broken. As a matter of fact, it speaks of the end time and the last days, and it talks about covenant breakers. It doesn't talk about contract breakers because that's between two individuals that begin with an end in sight that probably will be a termination of a contract, but a covenant between, whether it's between people, it still invokes God. The Bible is framed with the old and new covenants of God that made, that he made with his people, the descendants of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. So the entire scripture is permeated with covenant living. The heart of God's covenant is captured in these words, I will take you unto me as my own people, and I will be your a contract means if you don't live up to the guidelines of which I expect out of you, you will no longer be my people. I will break the contract. But covenant says, I will take unto you to be my people. And even if you fail me and don't live according to the way I want you to, I will not break my covenant with you. Because a covenant invokes the power and authority and attention of God. So heaven looks down at the point of covenant. God is united with his people in the context of his unfailing love. Marriage is 
probably the closest human parallel to God's covenant with us. As a matter of fact, through the scripture, he gives us insight into Christ's relationship with the church and parallels it with a man and woman and their relationship as in marriage. So God says that marriage is the closest human form of covenant that can be considered for us. And so he speaks in words that we can understand. And so he puts it in the context of his relationship with the church as a man's relationship with his wife. So thus he calls himself the bridegroom and the church he calls the bride. God united with his people in the context of unfailing love is the most powerful context of covenant to understand how deeply and how powerfully that God loves his people and how powerfully that he speaks regarding his love to his people is only done through covenant relationship. Two people come together to become one. Isn't that amazing? That's marriage. Two people come together from two different backgrounds, two different two different facets of life, often two different cultures, two different people, two different ways of doing things in, in premarital counseling. When I used to do more of the premarital counseling, I used to say one family uses tide and the other uses know what I purchase, right? You know what my wife purchases, right? Because my family used Tide, but her family evidently used something else. And so I often use that where two different people from two different backgrounds come together and now you're trying to get along. I thought this morning as my wife and I got up and we were moving through the house and um, neither of us are necessarily incredible morning people. And so we got up this morning and um, after we joked between the two um, about whether we were going to call in today and she actually tempted me. She said, do you want to use my phone or yours? This is the truth. This is not a lie. Before you and God, it was real. My clock went off this morning, and I thought, that was a short night. <laughs> we got up, and we were moving about, and we were, we were moving about upstairs, and our house is not, our, particularly our upstairs of our house is not very large, three bedrooms, but the hallway is about the size of this pulpit, and so if you move from one bedroom into, into the bathroom or between the two, if two people are coming out and meeting, somebody's got to move into a doorway for somebody else to come by, so it's kind of this intersection there, and so we, we were, she was coming out of the bathroom, and I was going into the bathroom, and I, I didn't even realize it until I walked past her that we kind of bumped into one another in our past by, and I thought, now that would irritate a lot of people. 
But after you've been married long enough, it's just kind of like, that's just kind of how things are. We kind of, you know, we can normalize certain things. The world has things misconstrued. They can bump into each other in the morning getting ready for work, and before long, they're on their way to a divorce court over some little minor something. Really, they make bigger things out of it, and so it becomes that, and he doesn't take the trash out on time, and, and she doesn't have supper cooked on time, and, well, the list could go on and on. But in covenant relationship, it requires a lot more out of us than just a contract of this is what I will do and this is what I will not do. But a covenant relationship involves God and it also involves several other principles, some of which I want to talk to you about this morning. God's covenant partnership with us is truly remarkable for how can an unholy people and a holy God come together and stay together. How? How possible? It requires love, forgiveness, mercy, grace, patience, and the list could go on. And so we can parallel this. This isn't a marriage seminar this morning, but we can parallel all of the the ways that God and man can stay together is the only way that two individuals can stay together because we have to have forgiveness and mercy and grace and patience and the list goes on. But covenant is the most powerful word in the Bible in that it is the very foundation of Christianity and the very foundation of marital relationships. First, there must be covenant with God. The issue, the difference between a contract and a covenant is a contract, the court of law is the highest order. In covenant, God is the highest order. So when we move into covenant, we are putting God at the apex. God is the authority, not government, not man, not court, not his family or her family. God is the final authority. And so our first covenant has to be with God. That's why any covenant relationship, this is the danger of two people that don't know God trying to come together in a marriage relationship because you're trying to form either a contract which from the very beginning is easily broken by the court of law or we enter into a covenant that says me and God have decided that we're going to go into covenant with you. And so therefore, when you fall or I fall, there is going to be forgiveness between the two of us and we're going to stay together. This is why the Lord said, Behold, Zion has said, The Lord hath forgotten me and my God hath forsaken me. And he said, But behold, I have graven thee in the palm of my hand. He is telling us there's going to be seasons and times in your walk with God that even as a Christian, even as a child of God, even as a blood-bought apostolic child of God, you're going to say, I don't even think God knows where I am. 
I don't even think God knows what I'm going through. And he said, at those moments, you've got to look away to the cross and understand that greater love hath no man than this, that a man would give, lay down his life for a friend. Behold, I have graven thee in the palm of my hand. Those nails made scars in his hand so that you would be reminded that he hasn't forgotten you because he's in covenant relationship with you. And so he's in covenant relationship. So when, when two people can't get along and two people end up, as a matter of fact, the, the scripture is very, very clear. The Lord said, said marriage, marriage from the beginning. He said, it, uh, Moses gave you a, a writing of divorcement and made it uh, some legal document. But from the beginning, it was not so. It was not my plan. He said, that wasn't my plan. He said, but because of the hardening of your heart. You know what that means? That means I can no longer forgive. I can no longer show grace. I can no longer show, show mercy. So I often say to people, marriage is perfect. Marriage is not broken. When somebody comes in and says, we're having marital problems, this is my response. You're not having marital problems. Marriage was made by God. It was perfect. It's, it, there is nothing wrong with marriage. That's God's design. What's wrong are two imperfect people that came together and you're having people problems in God's holy marriage. So when we start working on me, when I start working on me, when I start getting myself better, when I start getting myself whole, then all of a sudden I'm going to start seeing my marriage better, my relationships with my employers better. Everything else in life is going to get better because my relationship with God is the prerequisite in my agreement with God because it is a covenant relationship. God is the highest authority. And then there's the covenant with family. And then finally, there's a covenant with the church. I, I hope today that I'm able to strengthen, help you strengthen these covenants between God, the family, and the church, and to bring this together. Earlier today, we dedicated a little page back to the Lord. And at moments such as these, the scripture becomes paramount. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And somebody says, well, that's a proverb. And, you know, that's not law and gospel. And that's just a, a, a nice little saying. No, 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 no. This is a contract. This is more than a contract. We're looking at it as Proverbs just being a contractual agreement. If you do this, I, you know, th this, is a, this is a little promise that you're going to get. But God says in covenant relationship, this is the idea of covenant relationship. If you will train up a child in the way they should go. When they are old, I will see to it that they will not depart from it. In a covenant relationship, God says, if you will, I will. And this happens over and over again. I thank God for parents who are proactive raising their children in church. This is a challenging time to be a parent. While talking with a father a few months ago, he was talking about parenting in this day and age in which we live. And I had actually been in a store and had a little event that transpired. And, and this lady was just screaming um, at this child, I, I was in a in Rule King in Lafayette, actually, and this lady, she had a couple kids, and she was going through, and she was just screaming at these kids and telling these kids how terrible they were and how horrible they were, and I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. It was about all that I could do just to, because the, the kids weren't the problem. And so I'm watching this, and the kids were trying terribly just to do something that, that could please mom, but 
all, all she could do was find fault. She didn't just find fault, but she was verbalizing that fault, and she was burying some things deep into the hearts and minds of little small children, and it was bothering me. And there was another man there, and when, when they walked out, the man said something to me. I, I had actually made a statement to the cashier when I walked up, and the man behind me said, thank you for saying something. So I hung around. He and I had a little conversation. We were talking about parenting, and he was talking about parenting in this day and age and, uh, and, and how difficult parenting is today. And I said, you're right, but the only thing harder than being a parent today may be being a child today. See, we want to focus on it being hard on us, but what about hard on them? The kids are all out this morning, but I want to talk to some moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles. But the kids today, have some; they have things thrown at them that we never did. I was thinking about this lesson this morning. We, I didn't grow up with this. I have to make decisions every day because there are things right at the very, just all you got to do is just a couple of clicks and you can be places that you ought to not be. And one little slip up can start a downhill spiral and if it's not caught early enough, you've got to be careful. We are raising children. You better be careful. Hear me this morning. I, I am completely off of my notes right now, but you need to be careful how early in life that you put this in the hands of a child. They may not be ready for or the commitment, and it could end up while you're doing something to support them and make them feel good. They may not be ready for the commitment to keep them out of the mess that can get them in, and then they're filled with a lifetime of addictions. I love you and love these kids. I'm just trying to help some of us think about what we're doing when we push so early in life for responsibility. There is, somebody made this statement, I don't even know if it's true, but I'm going to share it because it sounds about right. They said there is more, there is more information and more power in a modern cell phone than was in the computer that put the first man on the moon. And, and I know there's some computer people in here that, that may be able to say that's correct or incorrect. Brother Bowling is a, a major computer uh, individual that works in security, and, and, and he could probably answer that more clearly. But all I know is this. There is so much information that I don't need and don't want. We're, we're, we're at a point right now. I don't know if you've been following AI, but all of the all of this information that is at fingertips now, that just a little, you can download a program and click and it'll write you something. And, and, and colleges now don't even know what to do. They're getting 10-page term papers turned in and, and it's written by AI and they don't even know what in the world. We're, we're, you know, they're having to find out how, how do they research it to even discover if this is artificial intelligence. I, I listened to a podcast on Friday and there was a long portion of the podcast that the person in the podcast said, I'm going to read something to you. And they read this very intellectual thing. And uh, they said, it sounds like that perhaps a psychologist had written this, correct? And he was a psychologist himself. And he said, false. He said, I clicked this and in about 10 seconds, I got this back from an artificial intelligence program on my, on my phone. Our kids today are facing things that we never faced in our lives. If we don't put God at the center 
of our life. I'm not talking about God's part of my life, but we better put God as the center of our life. If you haven't covenanted with God in your home and family, you need to make a covenant with God that you are in the center. If not, we'll lose our children and we'll lose our marriages. must impact the hearts and minds of our children and families before the world gets a grip on them because there is a point that we can wait too long and it becomes too late. I've witnessed so many times parents waiting until it's too late. I said something to somebody the other day that was talking to me and I said, you can't wait until something is so broken and now I'm going to invoke the power of God into what's going on. It's good. Pray over it. Invoke the power of God. But you've got to start early. I thank God. If you want to know who you need to pray for in this church, why don't you? Why don't this church just take a week of saying, I'm going to pray for our children's ministry and our youth ministry, and I'm going to lift them up. I'm not going to find fault. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to find fault with our Sunday school teachers and our volunteers and our Wednesday night ch- children's ministry workers and our and Brother Evan, Sister McKell, and all of those working in, in youth and student ministries. Listen, we need to hold them up. We need to lift them up. They are important to what is happening in the lives of our children. But if you attend Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and extra youth events, they may have your children for about two to three hours a week. And they are combating a world that they live in 24-7. We need God. And you can't put it on your children and say, well, they're only four years old, so when they get old enough, I'm going to ask them if they want to go to church and if they want to serve God. And if they, No, no, no. Raise them up in the way they should go. Affirm their, they don't know what they're doing when they pray. I get it. But affirm what they do know. Affirm what they are doing. Tell them that's good. That's right. Bring them to church. Show up with them. Sit next to them. Come to the front and worship with them. Don't make them stand up here by themselves. If you don't like how they're worshiping, come stand by them and say, this is how we worship. We have to teach them the priority of making a covenant with God. See, your covenant with God can't be your children's covenant with God. What happened this morning in this baby dedication is we just simply prayed a prayer and we covenanted with God, with this family, that they're giving this child back to the Lord. But there will be a time that baby is going to have to make a decision. It's a baby right now. It can't make decisions for itself. But when that baby becomes a teenager, there's going to be a point in its life when it's going to develop, and now it's going to be ready to make its own decisions. We better make sure that what we are doing is lining that child, putting that child in alignment and positioning that child to where that baby will make a commitment and a, a covenant with God when that time comes. There, there's no higher calling than being a parent, and there's no higher calling than being a child of God. We, we must never be okay with our children finding 
their own path. So many people are saying, well, you know, I want them to find their own way. No, show them the way. Show them the way. Lead them. Train them. Teach them. I often remind our church leaders to include their children in ministry. Don't, don't do, I, I, if you want to know, I'll reveal things that I've said in, 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 in small meetings. I, uh, Brother Brandon, Sister Ashley, when they uh, first came on uh, staff with us maybe 10 years or so ago, I, I sat down with them and I said, bring your children with you. You're going to NAYC, you're going places, it's going to frustrate some people. They may not get it, bring your children with you. Don't leave your children home. If anybody says anything, you tell them, pastor said to do this. You know why? Because I don't want them investing in everybody else's children while their children are sitting at home and their children are not being invested in. Start young. Raise them up. This is what we do. We go to church on Sunday. We show up. We're faithful to God. This is what we do. We give in offerings. We worship. We pray. This is what we do. them to establish their own convictions and we have to example it to them because your convictions may not always be their convictions. See, there's, there's, I, I've got to hurry, but there's, there's a law of diminishing absolutes, which means what your, what you stand firm on, your children most likely will not stand as strong on it as you do. Only a real covenant with Jesus Christ will allow somebody to have a stronger stance than that of their parent. So it's so very important that we teach them how to establish their own convictions. Psalm 127 verse 4, as arrows in the hands of a mighty man. He's getting ready to shoot the arrow. We must adjust and correct. Oh, in this world that we're living in, it's a different wind blowing today than it than it was than was blowing 20 years ago, 25 years ago when I was raising my children up. It's there is a different wind blowing today. You've got to adjust for the wind because we can't lose a generation. We must adjust. We can't aim them toward wealth and fame and popularity. No, we've got to aim them toward God. Aim them toward the church, the things of God, the ways of righteousness. One of the most valuable lessons a parent can teach their children is that of priorities, putting God at the top of their priority list. I've got to hurry this morning. Listen, if you miss everything else I, I say this morning, don't miss this. I think one of the greatest challenges in life is to discover what God has called you to do. Get what I said? I didn't say to discover what God has called you to do. We live in a world where everybody, a church world I'm talking about, where everybody is, this is what I think God wants me to do, and I think this is what God wants me to do. And I'm thinking, first, let's work out what God wants you to do. Because when you get being right, doing will fall in order. You'll have no problem hearing the voice of God and knowing what God wants you to do once you hear the voice of God and know what God wants you to be. And the only way that you can figure out what God wants you to be is to get in his word and see what he is saying, how he wants you to walk, how he wants you to live, how he wants you to talk. We need to work on being before we work on doing. If we can impress this upon the hearts of our children when they're young, 
See, what we do is, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you grow up? Are you, what are you going to do? What are, what, what, what are you going to do when you grow up? Let's change that and start saying, what are you going to be? How about this? Are you going to be a righteous individual? Are you going to be a holy individual? Are you going to be a worshiper? Are you? I want to know what you're going to be. Are you going to be a prayer warrior? What is it? What is your intention of being? I want to know what you're going to be. I don't care if you're a car salesman, a truck driver, a CEO. It doesn't matter what you want to be, a factory worker, a construction. It doesn't matter what you want to do. I want to know what you want to be in the kingdom of God. It's easy to learn what to do, but learning what to be causes us to apply self-discipline and to covenant with God and build a relationship with him because we will never be what God wants us to be without covenant relationship with him. And a lot of people are not willing to pay the price of being. They want to prophesy, but they don't want to pray. They want to preach, but they don't want to consecrate and be faithful. Many want to lead, but few want to show up when they're not leading. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times when people say, well, that's not really my interest or that's not really my skill set or that's not really the best use of my time. Listen, in the kingdom of God, we all do things we don't want to do because we're in covenant relationship with him and it is the right thing. Covenant makes you do the right thing. Well, I've got to hurry. Number two, let's talk about the responsibility of covenant with family. Wow, I'm almost out of time. I'll hurry. Let's talk about the responsibility of covenant with family. Your children are blessed by your obedience to God and cursed by your disobedience to God. Do you understand that? You, Whether you walk with God, there's a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to walk with God, but I want my kids to walk with God. Your children and your family will be affected by your covenant relationship. That's why your covenant relationship is so important. I read a little thing the other day, and, and, and I wish I would have put it in my notes this morning because I'll never remember it properly, but they, they talk about if a child comes to church first, that there's only like a, there's like a 95, there, there's, there's, there's only like a 5% chance that the family will come. If the mom comes to church first, there's like a 38% chance that they come. But if a father comes to, to church first, there's like a 95% possibility that the whole family will follow. Oh, when they start telling us this is no longer a Christian nation, this is God's principles are still in alignment. Men, we still do have a responsibility. You still do. It is important whether you're faithful. It is important whether you worship. It is important whether you pray. It is important whether you stand strong. Come on, men. We've got to be men of God, men of covenant relationship, and declare this is what we will do as for me and my house we will serve the Lord no matter how much failure one may experience in covenant relationship there is always grace and mercy to call us back our children and what they become it won't be automatic we have to teach them we have to affirm them we have to remind them it is intentional. I, I, like, I like how Joshua says it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen to those words. As for me and my house. It's intentional. It's on purpose. This is just what we do. 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm closing this morning. Our, our priority, I'm going to close with this third point. Our priority of a covenant with the church. First, our covenant with God and then with family. And then I want to talk about our priority of a covenant with the church. Our view of the church is revealed in our private conversations and attitudes and words. And our children, no matter how much we want them not to pick it up, our children will pick up that covenant relationship. Your relationship with the church will chart the course for your family's level of commitment to the local church and spiritual authority. Our lifestyle should say, we choose to make church a big deal in our life. Well, I need, you know, church sounds like religion, and I just want relationship with God. Listen, you cannot make it in this world on your own. I don't care what book you read and what high-profile preacher got up and says you don't need a pastor, but send your tithe to them somewhere in Hollywood. I'm telling you that we need each other. You need the community of a church. You need the relationships of, of, of a local church. We need one another. At times like these, we need the Lord and we need one another because there's some things that we cannot do alone. That's why the writer said, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together in the manner some do, even so much the more as we see the day approaching. That's why coming together in an assembly and not just showing up half, half-hearted in a way of, well, I'm here and yeah, I'll make a little commitment. Not, I'll, I'll, I'll make this commitment and that commitment. But I'm talking about a covenant relationship with the church. Of saying, I'm here. This is my church. If you talk against this church, you're talking against me. If you're unfaithful to this church, then you're unfaithful to me. That's how God feels because this is his church. This isn't man's church. This is God's church. He designed it. He put it together. We're just here trying to make the best out of it we possibly can. We're his hands and his feet and his voice, but it's his will and it's his way. God can never be part of our life. He must be the central focal point of our life around you this morning, I'm not talking about the building, but when you look around you this morning and see the people that are sitting in this room and the building and, and the property that God has given us, this is a big deal. Not just because I'm the pastor. If I wasn't the pastor, it would still be a big deal because church is a big deal to me. Showing up on Sunday and whether you show up on Sunday is a big deal. Because at my lowest point, you know what I want to do? I'm going to call for the, the elders of the church. It's going to be some of you. When we've walked through some of our darkest days, it was some of you. I was talking to somebody this week about affirmation, and we were talking about the need of affirmation, and it's the affirmation of some of you, some of you elders that think I don't have a whole lot to offer. Your prayer and your word of affirmation and you putting an arm around somebody and encouraging them. When I look back on my childhood, some of the most influential people in my life are people like Brother McFarland that 
Nobody would even know him. He's passed on now. But I remember Brother McFarlane, when I would walk to the front to pray, as an 11 and 12 year old kid, I never remember going to the front that Brother McFarlane didn't walk up beside me and put his arm around me and pray right next to me, an 11 and 12 year old kid. My dad went on to pastor in another church. I remember so very clearly. There was one particular brother that from the time I was 12 or 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old until he passed right about my 16th or 17th year. I would go to the front to pray. He would come sweet-spirited, prayer warrior, faithful. He would come up. Brother Askew would put his arm around me and he would pray with He probably had no idea. I didn't even have an idea. Brother McFarland, Brother Askew had passed on. I'd like to go back today. If I could, if heaven could hear what I'm saying this morning, I would like for them two men to know the impact that they made in the church. What I am today very possibly could have been shaped by two elders that did nothing more than walk to the front of the room and put their arm around a kid pray with me. I never remember going to dinner with Brother Askew. I remember going to his house a few times with my family. Brother McFarland was a little different. I do remember going to his home many times. His grandson and I spent a lot of time together and I remember I remember that relationship and that friendship there. I'd like to go back today and tell him what an impact that they made because those men who had a covenant with God pointed me in the right direction. I had a mom and a dad who stayed together through thick and thin, who brought me to the altar. When I failed God, my dad would say, son, on Sunday we're going to go to the altar and pour it all out to the Lord. That's what covenant does. It makes you rely on the love, the mercy, and the grace of God. And it's here and it's in this room this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. Our covenant with the church is so incredibly important. Our covenant with God, our covenant with our family. I'm not really sure how to close this service this morning, but I feel like just opening the altars and inviting you. Maybe husbands and wives or families to come forward together. Maybe you just want to bring somebody with you and walk to the front. Maybe it's just a neighbor or a friend and say, let's just go to the front together today. I'll covenant to pray with you, to be there with you, to strengthen you, to lift you up. This is beautiful. Let's respond to the voice of God, to the draw of God, to the pull of God. If you haven't made that commitment, this is a good time. Come forward and make that commitment to God today. Come pour your heart out to Him this morning. God, we're here afresh and anew all over again. To be reminded of my commitment, my covenant with make this house a prayer room for a few moments would you? Come on, lift your voice all over this room.
lift our hands one more time in this house. Make it your prayer from my heart. Don't you love Pastor Jordan's teaching? Amen. Amen. We're making covenant with the Lord. Deepening our walk with Him and our relationship.